The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, We celebrate you moms and we love you. And this is a day of honoring. It's also a day of remembrance because uh, Mother's Day, um, we want to honor our mothers and we want to honor the memory of our mothers too. And so this might be the first Mother's Day without your mom or uh, the reality of of the church and the creek and the community that we're in is is we have uh, some some ladies that this was to be the first Mother's Day that wasn't. Um, and so it's also a day of remembrance and, and we love you and, and we want to balance that and we, we were grateful for the call that God's put on your life and we want to celebrate and honor you and we love you very much. And um, so men, if you have not gotten your cards yet, you are hosed, okay? Um, <laughs> there's nothing left. You're going to have to get a graduation card and repurpose it, okay? Um, <laughs> congratulations, honey, you've graduated to a better mom. Um, so if you need help with that, we, we can help for some prayer and tutoring after, after service. Our prayer team will be available at the, at the altar. Um, but if you got your Bibles, go to Luke chapter five. And uh, we've been in a series called Encountering Christ. And uh, my prayer for this series, as I've said before, is, is that uh, I am praying that you have a new revelation or a, a first-time revelation of really who Jesus is, and that that changes things for you, and that changes uh, how you view faith. We have people that, that come to the creek every week that, that are kind of on the fence about this and wondering, um, is this faith real? Is, is this, what's, what's with this Jesus thing? And, and this is a safe place to wrestle with that, and I'm praying that through this series, you, and, you, you have an experience with Jesus that really brings that into clarity for you, brings that into a, 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 just a firm focus. And, and for those of you that have, have been walking with Jesus for a while, I pray that, I pray that this series um, brings even a, a new revelation which completely changes and revitalizes your faith. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back tables for you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5. Um, if you don't own one, just take that. That's our gift to you. Happy Mother's Day. Um, and uh, if you've got a smartphone, you can follow along there. Uh, but Luke chapter five, where we're at now, we've been on this study through the book of Luke and uh, we've been going verse by verse. And uh, today we're gonna see Jesus call his first disciples. And he's gonna have an interaction with these men, um, an encounter with these men that forever changed their life. And the reality that, that you and I face is that Jesus, just as he stood before these men and, and said, follow me, he's calling us to be followers. He's calling us to be disciples. A disciple just, just means that, that we are pursuing him and he wants us and he equips us to do the things that, that he has done. And he's calling us to be followers. He's not calling us to be perfect as you're gonna see with some of these men. Um, and you're gonna see that with all of these men. Uh, but he's calling us into this, this relationship and this pursuit and, and this, this life that, that, that he has created and called us to walk in. And so uh, let's pick it up. Jesus, is, his ministry is picking up steam. Uh, we've been tracking through this where uh, he is taught in the synagogue. We saw the crazy church service uh, that Jesus was involved with with in Luke chapter four when he cast out a demon and then the healing of so many people, healing of Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And now what's happening is Jesus can draw a crowd. And 
there's a lot of people that are following Jesus. Kind of like, you know, there's, I've got people that follow me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter, and I follow other people. And so the context of following for us has been, been defined in a social setting of the social media that we're engaged with. In this scene, there's a lot of people that draw around Jesus. He can draw a crowd. But what Jesus wants to transform us from is a fan of Jesus to a follower of Jesus. And that means that it's, it, it's not just, um, um, oh, Jesus loves me, like um, um, Jesus has something really uh, controversial to say. Well, I'm going to leave a comment on that. No, he's calling us to pursue him with everything that our life is and can be. And he approaches these men. So let's, let's pick this up. Luke chapter five says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. That's also the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out, had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Getting into the bo- one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Let me stop there. Let's set up the scene a little bit. So you've got the seashore, and you've got all of these people that have heard about Jesus. They've heard what Jesus can do, and they've heard what Jesus has been doing. And so Jesus draws a crowd, and he's on the seashore, and he's standing there, and he's, he's wanting to teach them. And he looks over, and he sees two boats, and he knows Simon. He's been staying at Simon Peter's house. He's healed Simon's mother-in-law, and so he, he, he has a connection with him, but he's looking around. And so Jesus says to Peter, hey, Peter, come row me out a little bit. And so Peter comes over and gets in the boat with Jesus. They row out from the shore so Jesus can kind of create, it's like a natural amphitheater that's being created. And he begins to teach the people. And he's teaching them the word of God. We don't know exactly what he was teaching but because that's not the main point of what's going on in this story, in this scene. The main point is Jesus is gonna have an experience with Peter and two other disciples, actually three other disciples. And so he's teaching the word of God. And when he finishes He looks at Peter and he says, let's go out a little bit farther and let's throw your nets off over into the deep water. And so Peter um, is sitting in the boat and he says, Jesus, we have fished all night and we didn't catch anything. And it says that they were washing their nets. And so he could say, I've already washed the nets. The importance of washing the nets uh, in, in this context is if they didn't, they would dry out, they would rot. So what would happen is that after a night of fishing, the, the fishermen would wash the salt water off the nets and they would restretch these nets. If you didn't, they're gonna break when they catch fish. I think that's fitting for faith. I think that's fitting for our faith that uh, we've gotta be continually washed in the word. I think of Paul, what he wrote to the church at Ephesus when he's talking about husbands and wives. He says, husbands, wash your wives with the word. That, that literally means that we're to, we're to saturate our homes in the word of God. And then Paul later says, but I'm telling you a mystery. I'm talking of Christ in the church. And what Jesus does for us is continue to wash us in the word of God. 
And he continues to pour that word over us. And it's important for us to be in a, a place where that, that can be done, where we can receive the word of God. And then the stretching, I gotta tell you, I don't like the stretching because that means it's gonna get me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> and there are times when God calls us to stretch our faith and to take steps that we, it's gonna require more faith. Here's what I know about faith and stretching. The faith that I needed to do what God did in the past is not gonna be enough faith to do what God wants me to do next. Because he doesn't want us to get comfortable in that. If we get comfortable in that, then what happens is when our faith is tested, it's gonna break. We've gotta constantly be working at, at faith. And, and, and so, so Peter's there and he could be like, Jesus, I'm tired, I don't wanna do this. I mean, men, when we experience a failure, because he'd fished all night, didn't catch anything, no man wants to admit he got skunked at fishing, especially a professional fisherman. So, I mean, he could have had, Peter is a hothead. If you don't know anything about Peter, he's the disciple that had no filter, that if it came to his mind, it's the, Peter's one of those people that when they speak, they don't realize the words that have left their mouth until they're already having an effect on the people who are hearing it. <laughs> are you one of the, well, no, are you, do you know people like that? <laughs> and, and there are times that, you know, Jesus said, you know, I must suffer and die. And Peter's like, ain't nobody gonna kill you. And Jesus has to say, get behind me, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. And then he says, I, I'm gonna protect you. And he says, I'll never deny you. And Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you're gonna deny me. It ain't gonna happen. That ain't gonna happen. In the garden, when Jesus getting rested, he cuts off the, the soldier's ear. Peter was a hothead. And so he could have he had some things to say to Jesus, but he says this, but at your word. He had been around Jesus enough that he could, he, could, he could muster up some faith, but at your word, I'll do it. And, and, and then he puts the nets down and says, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So you've got this incredible scene where, where Peter's gone from disappointment of catching nothing. He says, but at your word, and now they've got such an abundance of fish that they got boats sinking and they're calling other boats. And I mean, you, you would think that there's just this high-fiving and celebrating going on. Because guys, when we experience a defeat and then we experience a victory, man, it just, it just does something and we want, we want to share that. I mean, it just rises up in us. I mean, especially a fisherman, like you, got to, you would need to see how many fish I just caught. I mean, if you go to any dock, when a man's coming off that boat, if he's caught something, he's ready to show it off. If he's not willing to show it off, he's gonna lie about it later. I'm just saying that. Um, so uh, you would think that it's gonna bring this major celebration, but here's what happens. Peter, when he sees this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So the scene that you would think Simon Peter would be celebrating, it draws him to his knees. It drives him into humility. And so what, what, what I think about, you know, Simon's there and he, he realizes who he is in the presence of God. I think, of, I think of Isaiah when he finds himself in the presence of God. And Isaiah says this, 
woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a dead man. And Simon Peter realizes what just happened. That there was an encounter with Jesus and it moves him into humility because he realizes where he stands in the presence of God. And there's a lot of times that we, 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 we start to experience this. That when we bring our mess into the presence of God, we become ashamed and we let shame drive us. And I'm sure Peter's feeling a little bit of shame because he's like, you know, I trusted Jesus and look what happened and I'm unworthy of this. Can I tell you something? I love what Jesus responds to him. He said, don't be afraid, Peter. From now on, you'll be fishing for men. So he doesn't cast him out of his presence. You know what I love about the presence of Jesus is, is whenever we come in, I'm a sinful man. I'm sinful. You're sinful. We are sinful. We're a mess. But we come into the presence of a holy God, and he doesn't say, depart from me, you wicked, evil people. He says, come in and let my grace change you. Don't be afraid in my presence, because when you humble yourself in my presence, I'm going to pick you up. Let me tell you something. Church is messy. It is messy. And it's always going to be messy. Because if church stops being messy, it's no longer church. This needs to be the safe place that we can bring our junk in. This is the church and the presence of God is the only place on the planet that we can bring our mess and something can actually be done with it. It's the only place, the presence of God is the only place where our mess can experience redemption and grace. Anywhere else we try to take our mess, it just becomes more of a mess. And Jesus doesn't throw Peter out of the boat. He pours grace on him. And then he says, you're gonna be a fisher of men. He, he refocuses the purpose of Peter's life. We talked about that last week, that, that Jesus has a purpose for us and he wants to have us a clear focus on that purpose and he refocuses it. And it says, and when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything, walked away from it. Something so compelling in the presence of God made him change everything. It, this passage is very close to my heart because in 2010, God gave me a, a deep revelation of, of this passage. And um, the week that Heather and I launched the church, there were 27 people that launched the Creek Church. It was March 21st, 2010. That week, we, we moved. We had sold our house and moved to the area. And... We launched the church, and as if we didn't have anything else going on, we moved our oldest daughter to Toronto, Canada. And, and, and I, I love my girls, and I love having my girls close. And it breaks my heart to know that my oldest daughter and son-in-law and my granddaughter, especially now, are that far away. And, and I was having a moment. I mean, in March of 2010, I was, I was having a moment, and I was, I was, just, I was in the Word, and I read this passage, and the Holy Spirit spoke very clear to me. He said, hey, think about Zebedee, because it says James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, they left everything. And the Holy Spirit said, think about Zebedee. And I was like, yeah, poor Zebedee, man. I'm sure the sign on the side of the boat said Zebedee and Sons Fishing Company. 
You know, Zebedee, everything was tied into his sons taking over the business. And I started to feel sorry for Zebedee because I was feeling sorry for myself. And the Holy Spirit said, you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Look at what happened with Zebedee in an encounter with Jesus. And here's what I walked away. Here's the revelation I walked away with. This this might help some of you because I know you're praying for your kids and I know you're praying for, for people in your family. I would rather have my kids outside of my boat following Jesus than sitting in my boat not following Jesus. And that brought some peace on how I can let my daughter at 18 move to Toronto, Canada to go to school. She's following Jesus. My son-in-law is following Jesus. And they're raising up my granddaughter to follow Jesus. They're moving farther away because they're going into full-time ministry. I would much rather my kids be out of my boat following Jesus than sitting in my boat not following Jesus. I don't know if that helps you. That, that transformed my whole world. Something so compelling about Jesus that when he says, follow me, somebody's willing to drop everything and pursue him with everything they've got. Look, look at this other one, Levi, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Again, there's something very compelling about the presence of Jesus and that call that he puts on our life. The call is follow me. Pursue me. Spend your life following me. And if you haven't noticed, um, Jesus goes to fishermen and tax collectors. He didn't go to the, the Jewish synagogues and he didn't go to the seminaries and he didn't go to the places where the best people would be and say, I need to see your resume. You know, he didn't look on indeed.com for those inquiring of a rabbi. He didn't have a LinkedIn account. You know, are you connected with Jesus? No, he went, let's, let's see who he went to. He says this, and Levi was so transformed. Levi made him a great feast in his house and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table. Now, just so you know, tax collectors uh, would have been labeled as terrorists and traitors in the nation of Israel. Because Levi is a Jewish man collecting taxes for the Roman government. And there was a, a high degree of corruption and extortion that went on in this business. And he would have been labeled this traitor he would have been outcast from the, the Jews and he wasn't Roman, so he, was an out, he, he spent his life as an outcast. And he was so transformed that he invited Jesus in to his circle, to his friends. And, and he says this, the Pharisees and scribes, they're the religious folks, grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus always answers the religious piece. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus didn't come to to even call the self-righteous. He came to those, the Bible calls us the least of these, that you and I are equally on on, on the same footing, that, that sin rules and reigns our life until we submit that to Jesus. And that we have a desperate need for a savior. 
And Jesus doesn't call us because we're good enough. Jesus doesn't call us because we can bring something good to the team. The kingdom of heaven is not the NFL draft where Jesus is sitting there going, oh, who's my first round draft pick? Jesus goes to the people who don't even know the rules of the game and says, follow me. And it's interesting when you see what's going on with Levi that he calls all of his friends and the religious people are like, you, you're sitting with sinners and tax collectors. They're looking down their nose at it. Let, 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 me, let me give a caution about following Jesus. There, that, there's a tendency, there's a danger that comes in this. That we can be so transformed by grace that we humble ourselves and pursue Jesus. And we let grace transform us. And we're walking from grace to grace. And we're walking and following Jesus. And we're, we struggle with life. We struggle with faith. We wrestle with this. We're stretching it. We're washing. And, 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 and we, we spend our time pursuing. But what can happen is, is the tendency is the longer we walk with Jesus, we begin to insulate ourselves with only people who are saved with only Christians. And there's a dangerous line that, that, that Christians can cross is we become judgmental towards non-Christians. And what we've done is we've now moved from Levi and the tax collectors and the sinners to the Pharisees and scribes. And we begin to say, how can, they, how can that person show up at church? Again, church is messy this will be the safe place for us to wrestle with our mess. When you, when you think about it this way, think about your work environment, your family even. Who are you influencing and who are you being influenced by? Because the tendency of human nature is to find a way to fit in. So, but go back to your motivation in these relationships. Is it the righteousness of God or is it fitting in? If it's fitting in, we become subject to a lot of things that we will compromise in the name of fitting in. And Jesus calls us to stand out. He doesn't call us to be religious nuts and freaks in our workplace and in our home and beat people up. He calls us to walk in love. Levi was so transformed by Jesus' grace that I'm inviting everybody into this. There's some questions we've got to wrestle with about this following Jesus and this, what it really means to following Jesus because, because Jesus is calling every one of us and he's speaking to every one of us and he's making this statement. He's not giving a command, will you follow me? He says, follow me. He's speaking to every one of us and we've got to wrestle with some questions. These questions um, that, that I feel the Holy Spirit has, has given us this week is, is designed to get us into some deep thinking. These aren't yes or no questions. These aren't questions that you can answer in this room and just walk out and go, okay, that's good. The, this is designed for you to spend some time this week wrestling with it, getting gut level honest with yourself. And this faith and washing faith and stretching faith and dealing with these questions. And, 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 and if you're taking notes, the first one is this. What, what is hindering me from acting on the word of God? Because he is constantly speaking. I mean, he's, he's speaking to us all the time. He's, he's giving us information. He's asking us. I mean, he looks at Peter, row me out a little bit. I mean, there's a lot. Put your net down deep. There's a lot that Peter could have come back with 
that would hinder him from acting on the word of God. I'm tired, Jesus. I'm dealing with some disappointment in my life, Jesus. I fished all night, caught nothing. Do you know what it's like to do that, Jesus? Jesus, I'm busy. I got to wash my nets. Because see, here's the thing. You're going to teach these people and then you're going to keep moving. I got to fish tomorrow. I've got to wash my nets and clean them and stretch them. Because Jesus, if you don't, they're going to break. It's like, have you ever thought about trying to explain something to Jesus? Could you imagine Peter could have gone in explaining to Jesus about fishing and stretching nets and how fish move? He's like, yeah, I created them. What it boils down to is Peter could have come up with a list of excuses that would keep him from acting on the word of God. And we do the same thing. I, I, I told you we gotta get gut level honest. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. There are times I don't wanna hear from God. What's hindering me from acting on the word of God is I don't want to. Because here's what I know sometimes. I, I, go, th- I, I go through those seasons in my life too. God, I'm disappointed right now. And I know if I, it, that's a hindrance. Yes, it is. Because I know you're gonna ask me to do something that I don't get to sit and sulk in my disappointment anymore. God, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna hear from you right now because I know you're gonna ask me to do something that's way out of my comfort zone. God, you're gonna ask me to do something that's hard. And I begin to make excuses. I'm tired, Jesus. I don't, we've gotta get honest about our faith. Yeah, there's times I don't want to hear from God, but, but, but I do want to hear from God because I don't want to sit in my disappointment all the time. I don't want to sulk and I don't want to be, a, I don't want to continue to make excuses for missing out on what Jesus has for my life. And we continue to pursue this. So, so what's hindering, right, let me ask you this, are you even in a place where you can hear God? I don't mean proximity. I mean priority. Because Peter was close to Jesus. I mean, he'd seen what Jesus did, but the catch of fish is what got him. He saw his mother-in-law healed, demons cast out, but the catch of fish is what got him. And he's sitting over there, and men have this wonderful art called selective hearing. I mean, Peter's over there washing his nets, all right? And he hears Jesus, hey, Peter, row me out a little bit. He heard him, but he's not hearing him. Why? Man, that means work. Peter was close enough to hear Jesus, but it was only when Jesus became the priority that he could begin to act on it. Because see, here's the thing. Peter's sitting there and it's work. And that other question that, that we have to wrestle with is, when I hear God speak, am I willing to believe in faith and put in the work? See, see, we can, we can kind of muster up the faith. Yeah, God, I believe you. Peter said, I've worked all night, caught nothing, but at your word, Jesus, there's faith. It takes faith to believe in the word of God. And, and, and we'll try to muster up this faith and, okay, I've got faith, I've got faith. I'm gonna believe God. I'm believing God for provision in my life. I'm believing God for, for, for restoration in my life. I'm believing God that he's gonna restore uh, my marriage. I'm believing God for these things. I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I can believe. Here's the thing. The next step is we gotta be willing to put in the work. 
I mean, Jesus was having a conversation with his disciples in John chapter four. He'd actually had a conversation with the woman at the well about water and then a conversation about food with his disciples. And this woman um, goes into the town and she invites everyone to come out to hear Jesus. You've got to hear this man. You've got to hear what, what he's, he's doing. You've got to hear what he said about my life and hear what he's got to say about your life. And so Jesus is watching the people come out and the disciples in this conversation, he says, you guys have a saying, it's still four months to the harvest, which implies we don't have to do anything because we got time. Jesus said, look, I tell you, lift, look, look, look. The fields are white with harvest. They're ripe. Somehow in church, we've gotten into this mindset that when, when God is bringing a harvest or there's blessing coming, that means we don't have to do anything. We're like, God's bringing a harvest. Yeah. That's awesome. Come on, Jesus. I want to receive this blessing. I want your provision, God. Bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. Can I tell you something? Harvest time is the time you work the most. That's when you're up the earliest. That's when you're working the latest. It takes work for the harvest. We've experienced more salvations this year than we have in previous years at the creek. And it is busy. It's a lot of work. It's messy, but that's the harvest. We don't just sit back and go, okay, Jesus, you do it. He says, come on, you believe me for it, and then you get to work. I mean, James talks about this. Not, not James that just got called, but the half-brother James, who thought Jesus was a lunatic until after the resurrection, wrote in, in James chapter two. He says, faith and works, or, uh, faith without works is dead. We don't just sit in faith and go, I've got faith, I've got faith, I've got faith. Faith leads us to work. Don't get this confused with salvation. We're saved by grace. We don't work for love. We work out of love. Works aren't the, the, the product, or salvation isn't the product of works. Works are the result of salvation. You and I are saved by grace. It's a gift from God. Ephesians 2 tells us that that's by God so that we don't boast, but it's also so that we can do the work that God has prepared beforehand for us. We're called to believe in faith and put in the work. There's a lot of people who miss out on the blessing of God because they're unwilling to put in the work. Jesus doesn't call lazy people. He didn't say, hey, come sit with me. Come follow me. It's active. We're moving. We're engaged in the kingdom of God. And and, and here's what I wanna challenge you with about putting in the work and deciding what work you wanna take on. Um, Be careful about what you judge or determine as insignificant. Jesus asked Peter, row me out a little bit. Pretty insignificant request. But Peter would have never seen the harvest of fish He would have never seen the miraculous. He would have never seen the amazing unless he was faithful in what he thought could be insignificant. There is nothing insignificant in the kingdom of heaven. Take your responsibilities seriously and understand that he is speaking and he is working. He's calling you to believe in faith. He gives us the faith to believe, but he says, but put in the work. 
we'll miss the miraculous because of what we think is insignificant. And then the other question in, in how we follow Jesus is how do I respond to what God is doing in my life? How do I respond? Um, Peter's response was, I, I want to share, uh, share this blessing of fish with the other boats, with the partners. See, you and I are blessed to be a blessing. We receive so that we can give. That, that's putting in the faith and the work so that we see others' lives transformed as a result of it. Levi wanted to share this with everybody he knew. And the only people that he knew, the only people that he could find relationship and connection with were sinners and tax collectors. But I wanna share this. Man, because if this Jesus can do something in my life, I know he can do something in your life. How do we respond to what God's doing in our life? I mean, and that, that, that deals with the spectrum. How do we respond to failure? How do we respond to success? Because Simon Peter in one night experienced both. The failure of fishing all night, not catching anything, and then, then this abundant catch of fish that humbled him. How do we deal with that? Let me, let me, let me explain this to you. If, if, if success puffs you up, then failure is going to crush you. And we will deal with both of those in our life. I've heard testimonies of, of people that, that they said it was only in the success that I could turn to Jesus. I heard a testimony of one man that said, I, it, the best way I can describe it is, it was, I didn't even have a relationship with Jesus and it was the grace of God that brought me to a mountaintop that made me realize the only way I made it to this mountaintop was the grace of God. You know, some people are like, well, people only turn to Jesus when they're at the lowest, darkest point of their life. Yeah, some do. Some people change when they're in that darkness. Some people change when the, the revelation of the success around them, they're like, this is, you can't create this. And there's a humbling effect. How do we deal with, deal with this? How do we respond to what God's doing in our life? We go through difficult seasons. Harvest time is a difficult season because we have been working and working and working and it's easy to get tired. And God calls us to pursue him and press in with everything. And the response, he says, be willing to share that blessing. Be willing to humble yourself in failure and success. And be willing to believe what God is speaking to you. He's always speaking to you. He speaks through his word. He speaks through the Spirit. And the, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something contrary to his word. That's the importance of the disciplines of prayer time and studying the word, reading the word, being washed by the word, stretching of that faith. He's speaking to us. I, I think maybe the question that I should have put, and if you're taking notes, write this down. What do I need to leave behind? Because it says that these disciples dropped everything and left it behind. Or maybe what's your excuse? I mean, it could be 
unforgiveness. It could be shame. Some of you are carrying shame and have been for so long that you don't know how to let go of it. And Jesus is saying, hey, that's something that, that I want you to drop and follow me. What does it mean to really follow Jesus? Um, Mark 8 tells us that Jesus said to a crowd, um, if anyone wants to be my disciple, if anyone wants to follow me, then they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. What, what that breaks down to is that if, if we're gonna follow Jesus, we've gotta deny ourselves from making the excuses that continue to get in the way and hinder us. We've gotta deny ourselves the pride that comes with our success that we think we've created. Because a lot of us deal with success this way. Instead of, hey, come and share in this, back off. I put in the time, I put in the work. I went to school for this. You did nothing, back off. We deny ourselves the pride. We deny ourselves the selfishness. It says, take up your cross. That's a call to die. These disciples, they were all martyred. And it doesn't mean that when you follow Jesus that you, you may be martyred for his name, but it, it's what Paul said, I die daily. I become a living sacrifice as my spiritual act of worship so that I can live a life holy and pleasing to God. The attitudes and behaviors, the things that I wanna do, I, I die to those so that I can live for righteousness. And Jesus says, and follow me. Pursue me with everything you got. Pursue me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, all of your money, all of your time, all of your energy, all of your talents, everything that you've got, you pursue me with everything. Because only in that do you find that life. And don't let the enemy tell you you're disqualified from following Jesus. The cross of Christ stands for all eternity. That whatever we think is a disqualifier has been covered by the blood of Jesus. If we lay it down and follow him. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that, that you're calling every one of us that you are speaking directly to every one of us in that call to follow you, in that call to pursue you. And I pray, Jesus, that you, just as you're standing before us in the presence, and the presence of God is in this place, that presence of God so transformed these, these men, they left everything pray your spirit is so strong in your presence, so full in front of each person today, that that encounter with you transforms everything about their life. That you give birth to faith so that we can believe in you and through you by faith. That you give us the, the courage and the desire to put in the work. I pray that you forgive us and free us from our excuses and the sin that tangles us up. And we bring all of our mess, we bring all of our failure, 
we even bring all of our success, Jesus, and we lay it at your feet. We humble ourselves and say in light of our failures, but at your word, I'm gonna take the next steps. We bring our successes to your feet, Jesus, and we humble ourselves because we know that it's your goodness that has made that a reality in our life. So forgive us, free us. Help us to wrestle with these questions to bring the revelation that brings a pursuit after you like we have never experienced before. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com.